The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money, Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Rush Limbaugh, rest in peace, sir. We'll talk about that briefly at the beginning of the show. A Trump-McConnell feud that has me so, so confused. We'll talk about that. And Joe Biden, this is not going well. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. Well, there's only one place to start any kind of a show today, and that's by paying homage to Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh died... Sadly, 
There will never, ever, ever be another one like him. Rush Limbaugh educated generations, not one, generations, plural, of Americans on a new way to think about things, a, a different thing than they were being presented every single night on the news, on the other channels, on the radio. And not only did he do it, he did it in a way that you and I can understand. I mean, you might be able to understand a bit more than I can, but he broke down our way of life, our culture, what we want in an outstanding way. There'll never be anyone like it. He paved the road for idiots like me to sit in this chair and do a TV show for you every single night. I'm not here if it's not for Rush Limbaugh. And that same, that same thing can be said for so many people out there. So rest in peace, Rush. Go on home, sir. And I will say this to you. That was for Rush. This is for you. I'm hearing a ton of things right now, a ton of things from friends, family, about ugly things they're seeing online because the communists are thrilled about Rush Limbaugh passing. You know, they're saying terrible things. I know you've probably seen them by now. Let me help you out here for a moment. Don't avoid those comments. Read every one of them. And don't think, wow, that's really ugly when you read those comments. Let those comments be revealing to you. Let them be revealing to you about what the communists think, how they think, and how they think about you. You want these people who are saying terrible things about Rush, you want them to hate you like that. That means you will have lived a life that defeated their disgusting evil agenda. You go live like Rush Limbaugh lived. I pray, don't you worry, the, don't worry the day they put me in the ground when you see people yelling about how happy they are and celebrating, just know that's what I would have wanted. I want the communists dancing in the streets the day they bury me in the ground, and you should want the same. Make the right enemies in this life, and then make sure they hate you. All right, now, moving on. One thing that's bothered me so much, you know I rant about this on the right all the time, but just society as a whole, how much a negative lie can get cemented in the minds of Americans. Think how many lies have been cemented very, very early on. And I'm not only talking about people on the left or people in the middle, people on the right. They succumb to all this pressure from the system. It's on every single media channel. It's on every single movie they watch. Their professors are talking about it in school. It's everywhere you look. And people get lies in their head. This one, this one shocked me. You remember the very fine people lie the media ran with Trump and post Charlottesville? He gave this long speech, obviously condemning the hate on both sides. And the media took out one snippet, a blatant lie, took out one snippet, made it seem like he was calling white supremacists very fine people. They, they, they lied blatantly about it. Joe Biden, he basically ran his campaign on it. He kicked off his campaign on it. Get this. This was Trump's own attorney just recently. Quote, I learned preparing for this thing today, he's talking about the impeachment, I really learned the day before, maybe even the morning of my talk, that it's a much longer speech. He actually affirmatively denounced white supremacists, white nationalists, and all that a couple of times during his talk, Schoen said. Until that point, he said he had been dissatisfied with Trump's response to Charlottesville. I want you to ponder what this means for a couple different reasons. One, we're not talking about 
morons here. Some guy who, you know, chooses to live in some remote mountain somewhere. Just him and his little pet rabbit who doesn't understand the real truth out there. Very wired in. Highly successful people believe the lies. You, you're the exception. People believe the lies that are told. That's one. Two. This is just a brief side note. Donald Trump and his hiring. What are we doing? What are we doing? That's that's your dude? He found out like five minutes before the impeachment trial the real truth about what they've been lying about for four years? Bro, bro, this kind of hiring process killed us. We have got to do better in the future with the hiring and firing on our side. All right, I'm going to set that down. You know, you hear me talk a lot about communists. Because that's what we have here in America. Rest assured, that's exactly what they are. They're cultural Marxists. They came to America on purpose. There are whole books about this. They came to America and knew they had to change the language. Because communism, when it was being sold in places like the Soviet Union and and China and places like that, it's always sold as being, well, the little guy, he's got it so tough. Look, give me all the power. I'll go get all those rich people for you, I promise. That's that's how it's always sold. Well, in America, you couldn't really sell it like that. Because even our poor have lives that are not terrible, right? Especially when you compare them to the rest of the world. Life's pretty good here. So it's never going to work here. You can't sell an American on, you are destroyed, you have nothing, they have everything. You can sell some poor farming peasant in China on that. You can't sell an American on that. They knew they had to change the language. They had to change the language to make it more American, to appeal to your sensibilities as an American. And what better way to do that than racist and sexist and things like that? That's what we have now, these cultural Marxists. It's the same communism. It's just sold as something different. You can't sell somebody on, well, you're poor and you have nothing. Elect me and I'll make everything equal. You can't sell an American on that, but you can sell them on... I mean, you don't, you don't hate women, do you? Do you hate black people? Well, if you don't, then you should, you should vote for me. That's how it's being sold here. And one of the marks of all communist regimes is the purging of the military, purging of the police. Why do you think that is? They know their enforcement arm is sitting right there. That's one of the first things they did Every time they took power in the history of the world is comb through all the guys with the guns and figure out, well, I can trust him. Ooh, probably not him. When you hear Joe Biden, moderate Joe Biden, say things like this, you better pay attention. I got involved in politics to begin with because of civil rights and opposition to white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan, and the most dangerous people in America continue to exist. That is the greatest threat to terror in America, domestic terror. And so I would make sure that my Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division is focused heavily on those very folks. And I would make sure that we, in fact, focus on how to deal with the rise of white supremacy. And you see what's happening in the studies that are beginning to be done, maybe at your university as well, about the impact of former military, former police officers on, on the growth of white supremacy in some of these groups. 
That's right. That's right. And look, we all know what the game is here. <laughs> the clue, the KKK. Have you ever seen a member of the KKK? I have not. In my 39 years on this earth, I've never seen a living member. The only thing, I've, the only time I've ever even seen them on TV is when it's five fat losers in their stupid white hoods standing on a court, a court courtyard or court steps somewhere surrounded by cops because there's about 500 people surrounding them wanting to beat them up. The KKK is useless. It's gone. But you know what, it, you know what the deal is, right? They're not worried about white supremacy. They're certainly not worried about the KKK. They're worried about you. Well, how are they going to justify coming after you? How are they going to justify coming after me? Well, you're a white supremacist. So you're basically like the KKK. That's why they're doing this. And why do you think they're so worried about military, former police? Why do you think that is? You think there may be just too many Republicans in those groups for them? Come on, we all know the reality of it. We all do. How crazy is it? Well, the principal of Eastside Community School sent parents a whiteness meter, including a white traitor category. I'm not making this up. This, the eight white identities on my life. White supremacist, white voyeurism, white privilege, white benefit, white confessional, white critical, white traitor, white abolitionist. I will say this, by the way. Back to what Joe Biden was just talking about, about worried about the rise of white supremacy. You keep on with this garbage, and I'm going to start worried about the rise of white supremacy. Society always seeks a balance. Stop picking at the race scabs in American society, or we're going to get some dirtball white supremacists to go with the dirtball black supremacists. We are. All this race supremacy stuff is garbage, and we are going to get one. If you keep picking, we're going to get one. It's going to be terrible. Nobody wants that again. Oh, we're moving right along. Illegal immigrant. Here you go. Biden's DHS blocks the use of terms illegal alien and assimilation. Quote, urges more inclusive language. I can't even say this with a straight face. Urges more inclusive language in the agency's outreach efforts internal documents, and in overall communications with stakeholders, partners, and the general public. Other changes include using undocumented non-citizen or undocumented individual rather than illegal alien, and integration or civic integration instead of assimilation. The absolute worst people, most insane people in the United States of America now hold all the positions of power in this country. If you feel like everything's upside down, it's because everything is upside down. Do you want to know the Joe Biden plan to help all those small businesses that the government has wiped out for the last year? Here's the Joe Biden plan. What is President Biden doing for my small business? First and foremost, he nominated a woman to lead the Small Business Administration who formerly worked there. Okay. <laughs> that's what? And that's how these people think. How's he going to help small businesses? Well, we nominated a woman. Okay, what if she's an idiot? What, what, what does that help anybody? Look, this is the world we have now because the right and corporate America, anybody with a vested interest in keeping the communists out has so far lacked the guts to keep them out. 
This whole Gina Serrano thing is a perfect example of it. You remember that actress, former UFC fighter, she was in that popular show, The Mandalorian, and then Disney Plus kicked her to the curb over absolutely nothing. And the right freaked out about it. And look, her PR consultant, a crisis PR consultant, this is what they had to say. I don't know if it's hers, by the way. A crisis PR consultant. Quote, I don't know what people at Disney personally believe or don't believe with regard to politics, but as a corporate entity, they want to stay as trouble-free as possible. And anything that's going to offend the left is a problem. I have clients who are making an extraordinary effort to post what the social left wants to see. You see right there? The left makes corporations feel pain if corporations don't do the left's bidding. What does the right do? Be honest with yourself. What does the right do? What, people turned off the NFL for a week? Was it even a week? I'm done with football. That's it. Uh, look, I'm done with it. This, this, this Black Lives Matter stuff. Crapping on the flag. I won't stand for it. Ooh, ooh. Tom Brady's on. I better watch that. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm not perfect either. But they're very purposeful. They're purposeful in destroying your culture. How purposeful are you in preserving it? All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. And here's something else that might make you uncomfortable. I dipped for a long time. I'm talking about dipping tobacco. The cans of tobacco you put in your lip, it looks absolutely hideous, fellas. Please don't start. But I loved it. I loved it. And I found quitting to be quite difficult. Let me tell you what can make it easier for you. Jake's Mint Chew. Jake's Mint Chew, no nicotine, no tobacco, nothing. Totally good for you. They have a whole bunch of great flavors, and they can help you quit. They even have these, and I really recommend these, these CBD pouches. Little, little CBD chew pouches, flavored, go right in your lip. It gives you that satisfaction of having something there, helps you get off the stuff that's going to kill you one day. What's the love? What's not the love? Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 20% off. We'll be back. Not very much confuses me. It's because my brain is just huge. You know, it's just this huge, super advanced brain I have. But one thing that has me very, very confused, and has had me very confused, is the Mitch McConnell Trump thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not confused about the fact that they hate each other. That's obvious. They've hated each other for a long time now. That's Trump never really cared for McConnell. McConnell never cared for Trump. They each kind of kept a little bit of a lid on that for four years. Certainly nothing really overt, blasting away at the other one in public. But since Trump left office, then they started this second sham impeachment after the first sham impeachment. Mitch McConnell has come out several times and blasted away at Trump vocally, both barrels, blaming him for the insurrection of it, just crushing him. And here's the thing about Mitch McConnell. I don't expect you to be a Mitch McConnell person. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But whatever you think about Mitch McConnell, he's a very savvy guy. Politician, politically, the dude is a savvy operator. And as soon as he started blasting Trump, it has been confusing me. And what's confusing me is, what does he get from that? 
I mean, what does he get from that? Everybody knows a guy like this, right? by the way. Not, not in politics, but you know someone like this, or maybe you're the one who's like this, constantly on a, a social media, making enemies with somebody for no reason whatsoever. What did Mitch McConnell gain by blasting away at Donald Trump? Even if you hate his guts, which clearly he does, what do you gain? Donald Trump is, without question, the most popular Republican in the United States of America, and I mean significantly. He has a huge cult following. Donald Trump is also not a man who's going to let something like that go, and he did not let it go. Here's what Donald Trump had to say. Quote, Mitch is a dour sullen and unsmiling political hack and if republican senators are going to stay with him they will not win again he will never do what needs to be done or what is right for our country where we're necessary oh we're necessary and appropriate i will back primary rivals who espouse make america great again and our policy of america first we want brilliant strong thoughtful and compassionate leaders and believe me everybody i gave you the extremely shortened version of that it was like two pages long crushing mcconnell for his ties to china it was vicious so again i go back to what is Mitch McConnell thinking? There is a real DC GOP way of thinking where they think this whole Trump thing is gone. No, no, the man is gone. I don't believe he'll ever run again. Understand this. If you want to lead the Republican Party at any point here in the future, you cannot be openly anti-Trump. You can hate him quietly. You don't have to be pro-Trump waving your pom-pom, guys. That's always kind of embarrassing when you wave pom-poms for anyone anyway. But you can't be vocally anti-Trump. And if you think you can, you have an arrogance about you that you had got to get fixed. You have got to get it fixed. Now, there are lies, and then there are lies when it comes to politics. Joe Biden stumbled and mumbled his way through a town hall last night but this whopper he told is, uh, well, uh, you just, just listen. And uh, the biggest thing, though, as you remember, when you and I, no, I shouldn't say it that way, as you remember, but when you and I talked last, we talked about it's one thing to have the vaccine, which we didn't have when we came into office, but a vaccinator. How do you get the vaccine into someone's arm? The vaccine we didn't have when we came into office, except Joe Biden got the vaccine before he even got to office. In fact, we got a se- he got a second dose on January 11th. That's his second you're seeing right there. Where do these people come from? You know what this is? This is what it's like being a Democrat politician. You get to live, you get to exist in this own little bubble where you never have to answer tough questions and the media asks you what enchants you most about the office and you just learn to lie seamlessly. He didn't get called out on that. He's going to be just fine. <laughs> this country, it's going to be an interesting four years. Now, let's try to make sure you don't lose all your money in the next four years. huh? And no, I'm not talking about anything to do with the presidency or Congress. I'm talking about your home title. I need you to hear me and hear me well here. Your home title is not a piece of paper. Your home title is online. Because it's online, they can hack into it really, really easily. It takes them less than 10 minutes. When they get it, 
They will forge your signature on it. They did it to me. They will take a loan out against your home, and you will have to pay it back. Your home insurance is not going to help you. Nobody's coming to help you. You will either pay tens of thousands of dollars for a lawyer to try to get this thing undone, or you will pay back a massive loan, or get evicted from your home. 75%. Cybercrime is up 75%. I'm not playing around with this stuff. Go to HomeTitleLock.com now and sign up. HomeTitleLock.com. Make sure you use the promo code RADIO that gets you 30 free days of protection. We'll be back. Well, everybody and their brother on the right right now is looking for Florida real estate, and understandably so. Governor Ron DeSantis, the Florida Republicans, of which we're about to have one on, they seem to actually have their head on straight, while the rest of the Republicans in America do not. Here's Heavy D. There was some type of report about potential travel restrictions on Americans and on Floridians, uh, and I just, I think it's an absurd report. Uh, that they would be doing that. I think it would be unconstitutional, it would be unwise, and it would be unjust. And if you think about it, restricting the right of Americans to travel freely throughout our country while allowing illegal aliens to pour across the southern border unmolested would be a ridiculous but very damaging farce. So we will oppose it 100%. It would not be based in science. It would purely be a political attack against the people of Florida. Travel restrictions to Florida? I'm anxious to hear what our guest has to say about that. Joining me now, Florida State Rep. Anthony Sabatini. Uh, how can they even consider such a thing? This is just an anti-Florida thing, right? This is not about COVID. Absolutely, Jesse. This is a completely political attack. Florida's done amongst the best in the nation for its COVID response. And this is a, a smart and evil, but kind of smart way for them to try to single us out and harm us for having a, a what I think is the conservative, responsible Republican answer to how to handle a pandemic. Now, what has been, for those, for those who are unlucky enough to not be in Florida, what has been the Florida response? Did you guys lock everybody in their homes and weld the doors shut and put everyone in a bubble or what? Absolutely not. Uh, Florida, we took what I think most Republicans should have done, which is to believe in individual responsibility, free market, and uh, uh, just trusting people, trusting communities to make their own decision, local decisions. Uh, there, there was basically no uh, heavy hand from the state government, but even at the local government, DeSantis, who I think is the best governor in the country, restrained some of the crazy local counties and cities from doing some of the stuff that they've been doing around the country. So overall, we've had a lot less government involvement with the COVID response and a lot more sort of common sense, individualistic thinking on how to, how to, how to respond and how to act. Now, look, I have to ask, when did Florida get these fire-breathing Republicans like you and Heavy D who are actually decent? I'm in Texas. People think of Texas that way. Half our Republicans suck. When did this happen in Florida? You know, it's a really good question. Uh, even before I became a legislature, I always looked at Texas. I thought Texas was the freest, most conservative rock-ribbed state. And I really feel like we've surpassed them. I don't know. I, If I had to guess, if I had to throw something out there, I'd have to go with term limits. Texas does not have term limits. We do in Florida. Term li limits brings a lot of uh, newer type of uh, ideas in, newer Republicans. And I think 
the breed of sort of liberty Republicans and freedom Republicans that DeSantis and myself represent, we've come in because of term limits. Well, maybe there's something to that. Now, you have another thing that really piqued my interest. You have a petition to support a bill banning taxpayer-funded lobbying. I think a lot of people don't even realize there's such a thing as taxpayer-funded lobbying. What is that? So, it's a, I appreciate your interest. This is one of the most horrible trends in government today. It's when subdivisions of state governments, so cities and counties and, and other sort of local political entities, take your taxpayer money, go out and hire lobbyists to go and lobby state and federal officials to create more government and to fight against business bills. So in Texas and Florida and all these different states, there are bills now being filed, and I'm proud to carry the one in Florida, that would push to ban this practice so that way taxpayer entities aren't actually fighting against us. So they fight against business bills, property rights bills, gun bills, pro-life bills, anything that they want because it's it's your money that they're taking to go pay the bill for the lobbyists. It's it's pretty sick. What do you do if you what what are you saying to the Florida citizen, the Florida Republican, maybe he's fire breathing on the right, who says, hey, I don't want more people from New York here. I'm worried they're going to ruin the Florida that, that we've built here. And look, I'm look, I'm saying this to you from Texas because I feel the same thing. We have we all the time. We have another California company coming here, and I'm like, why? What? What? Why? So we can go Democrat from now on? What are you saying to the Florida person who says that to you? Well, I'm glad that people are starting to finally actually think that way and ask that question because for far too long people say, "Well, no, we welcome the growth. Everybody come in." The truth is we need to be thinking about who it is we're attracting to our state, especially with COVID. You have a lot of people who want to come to Florida and turn it into New York, turn it into a blue state. And same with Texas. Of course, you're dealing with Californians that want to come in from the west side. We're dealing with people from the northeast. But the truth is there are New Yorkers coming in with the right ideas, conservative Republicans who move in and say, I want to, I'm trying to get out of New York. But we're bringing in the sort of the uh, millennial liberal generation too. I think the way to scare them off is by just being culturally conservative, by fighting for the conservative principles and I would say the sort of Christian principles that uh, I believe in would make them want to go to a different state. I think if we continue to be conservative and actually fight on, uh, you know, to enact policies that they disagree with, it's going to scare them away and they're going to want to go somewhere else or maybe stay in one of their own sort of liberal tundras. Cultural conservative, man, that's so icky. I thought we were just supposed to be about low taxes. Are you talking about values? That's exactly right. If we if we actually listen to the Republican voters and actually get behind and fight for the actual conservative cultural values that we get elected on every year, then what you're going to find is that not only are, are voters even more enthusiastic than ever, but you're not going to see a swarm of liberals coming in. But of course, a lot of Republicans just want to fight for the uh, the easier, I think, uh, less controversial issues, which are your low taxes and a better regulatory climate, sort of clean chamber of commerce issues. But we have to we have to expand uh, the party. And I think Donald Trump has helped us do that a lot, thankfully. We have a real insane situation. I don't have a better way to put it, nor would I put it if there was a different way. With this transgenders playing women's sports. Now, obviously, I make fun of women's sports because I'm a red-blooded American, but I also recognize that it's the healthiest thing in the world. It's great for girls. They learn hard work. They learn teamwork. And now you have a dude who decides he doesn't want to be a dude anymore, whatever. That's your business playing and oftentimes dominating women's sports. It's grossly 
grossly unfair to the women who are out there putting in the work. And so many people on the right don't want to touch it. That's exactly right. Uh, they, whatever, you know, they're so afraid of being called a name, being called xenophobic or sexist, racist, whatever, that they'll just do whatever it is the media or the left asks them to do because they just want to evade uh, the, uh, a fight or a uh, name calling uh, match. Uh, and I think Republicans just need to wake up and fight back because that's that's a really losing battle, uh, you know, to let them lead and let them frame the argument. So fighting for common sense things like not letting men play in girls sports in public school is both the right thing to do. But it's something that the public's with us. They just have to have the backbone to fight against the media narrative. And, you know, sometimes we see that I, I'm an optimist. I think there are more Republicans being elected now who see things the right way who are willing to fight those battles than they were in the past. For I feel like the last generation kind of, uh, you know, passed the buck on those kind of battles. What happens to Republicans when they go to Washington, D.C.? I, I mean, I, look, I personally know a lot of these guys. They text me, and, and they go there, and just whatever spine they had, they walk in, and it's gone, and I don't understand it. What happens to our D.C. Republicans? Well, the best explanation I've ever heard is actually from my good friend, Congressman Thomas Massey. And it's really this simple. It's not no more complex than this. They simply want to be liked by their peers. So the way he explained it is when you go into like the members dining hall in D.C. And if you were fighting against all these things and standing alone on some battle, they're all going to look at you like you're, you know, uh, embarrassing them because you're taking the principled stand and they're not. And they want you to sort of join the herd. So rather than be that guy or join the minority of people who are fighting to do the right thing, most people would just rather cave and go be liked and just vote with the party. And that that's what happens. It's sort of like a, a, a train effect where they just want to follow, follow in and, 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 you know, just get in right behind the next guy and, and, and don't divert, you know, and don't don't stand out in any way. That's that's take Thomas, Thomas Massey said. I think he's the best. <laughs> well, Thomas Massey says a lot of things better than everyone else. Are you going to walk into the governor's mansion down there if we get heavy D into the White House? <laughs> That'd be nice. Maybe one day I'll run for statewide office. For now, the, the House is pretty cool, and there are some other good political opportunities in the future. But right now, I know that uh, there's a lot of good work, God's work to be done here in the state house, and I also would like to help DeSantis become the president one day. So that'll probably be a little bit of my focus too. Anthony Sabatini, thank you so much, man. We could use a lot more like you. Appreciate it, Jesse. Take care. Now, you like that guy, right? I know you did. I saw you nodding along. I was nodding along, too. You know we need more of him. And you know there's a way you can actually save money buying the things you love to buy while helping support guys like that getting into office. It's that cool. It's called Mammoth Nation. I am a lifetime member. I'm not telling you to do something I haven't done. Lifetime member here. You sign up. Be a member of Mammoth Nation. Lifetime or not. You, well, your money goes to support people like that. People who fight for the Second Amendment. Things that are really, really going to matter. What do you get out of it? You get a laundry list of establishments that will give you discounts for being a Mammoth Nation member. It's that good. It is the best of both worlds. You keep more of your money in your pocket while helping to save this country. Go become a member today. Go to mammothnation.com slash jesse, mammothnation.com slash jesse. We'll be back. They want your guns. 
They've always wanted your guns. And maybe today, you heard what I said in the beginning about all the things they're going to say about Russia not letting it bother you. And you shouldn't let it bother you. You shouldn't. But I want you to remember something. I want you to go look at every single thing they're saying about a man who just died. Know that they think those things about you and ask yourself, do you think you should let these people touch your guns? Here's Jen Psaki laying it out for you. I will say that the president is somebody throughout his career who has advocated for smart uh, gun, smart gun safety measures. Um, he has uh, not afraid of standing up to the NRA. He's done it multiple times and won on background checks and a range of issues. Uh, and it is a priority to him on a personal level. It's a priority to him. Joining me now, I'm looking forward to this, A.W.R. Hawkins, Second Amendment correspondent for Breitbart. It's a priority for Biden, and it looks like basically everything on the left is a priority for Biden right now. Right. Right. Great to be with you, Jesse. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, I like how he always goes after the NRA, too. It's beautiful. Well, and, and, and he defeated the NRA twice. But anyway, uh, I think what's important to understand is part of what they claim he did to defeat the NRA was that he supported the Brady Bill. Uh, the Brady Bill went into effect uh, 93, and between 93 and 98, background checks that we do today were put in place. And those background checks are, are at retail uh, points of sale. But apparently as important as they say background checks are these aren't good enough because uh uh now they want more background checks but the catch is jesse uh i keep track and have for a decade or more of um, mass shooters in america and almost every one of them i can think of two or three exceptions almost every one of them acquired their firearms via a background check those who didn't stole their firearms there are a couple examples and i mean a couple of firearms being acquired in private sales. But uh, the vast majority, and by that I mean 98 to 99%, were acquired via background checks. So the point is, all of this gun control, it's not going to change a thing. And uh, he, it's just not going to change a thing. And these aren't the types of actions needed to cause change. Well, I don't understand why you say it's not going to change anything, because I have genius Representative Sheila Jackson Lee claiming that uh, civilians haven't stopped the mass shooting in 33 years. Surely <laughs> Sheila Jackson Lee isn't lying. Except, except for the one they stopped in the Philadelphia barbershop a few years ago, the one they stopped in Chicago, uh, the one that we've seen I covered. I didn't even add it to that story, but there was a mass shooting last year at a South Carolina uh, uh, nightclub would have been a mass shooting, excuse me, had not a law-abiding civilian been armed. We could keep going. I mean, this is crazy stuff. I like when they do this, though, because it allows us to go in and to show that they're not credible. And uh, certainly someone who says that a law-abiding citizen didn't stop a mass shooting in the last 33 years, didn't look at December 29th, uh, 2019 when Jack Wilson pulled up his firearm and saved all those people in Texas at that church. And so America has seen this and anyone who wants to read the article can see many more examples, but she's wrong. Yes, Jack Wilson. And who can forget that shot he made from across the church to his dome? Gosh, that's, that <laughs> fires me up. You know what? That's a little violent for the show. Otherwise, I would play it right now. Now, right. why do you think why do you think they want guns so bad? Is this just political posturing, or do you think they really genuinely want them? I think you've got a mix, Jesse. I think you've got some folks who are posturing. 
I think those folks are what has saved us to this point because they don't really have the nerve to go against their constituents. And they saw what we did in the House. It was underreported, but in the House in 2020, we made big gains. I think they're scared we can make more gains in 2022 if they come out strong here. That's just my opinion. I can't prove that. But I think there are also a group of people, Jesse, in the Senate and in the House who literally want to take our guns. They literally want to subjugate us, that they want us to have to depend on the government for safety. And uh, what a ter- I can't think of a more terrible way to live than to live trusting my government to save me. You don't think these people have your best interests at heart, AWR? Don't you think that? No, I don't. And and even, look, even where we do, let's look at Parkland. You remember the Parkland shooting? They had an armed resource officer. All he had to do was fail at his post, which he did. And uh, one could argue by choice, but we'll just say allegedly by choice. Uh, he failed at his post. And so the gunman is allowed to get into that building. Once in that building, there's no way to stop him. Now, common sense dictates those teachers should have been armed. And the Parkland Commission, after the fact, voted unanimously to arm teachers. They asked the state of Florida to start allowing teachers to be armed uh, because the solution is for more guns to be in the hands of more good people. And the the solution, so-called, being pushed by Representative Lee is for fewer guns to be in the hands of good people. And when that happens, it empowers the criminals. And we'll have to look to government for protection. That's a very dangerous way to live. That's a dangerous way to live. But I thought the Second Amendment was just about hunting. <laughs> yeah, Jesse. Uh, yeah. Well, you look at uh, McDonald, Chicago v. McDonald, uh, or excuse me, McDonald v. Chicago, 2010 Supreme Court case. And literally everyone should read Justice Samuel Alito's majority opinion in that case. And in that case, Alito said that the central component of the Second Amendment is self-defense. And I always tell people when I speak to them to think of the Second Amendment as a door. And it's a door that swings on a big hinge. And that hinge is the second is self-defense. And without that, without self-defense, then we go to what you said, Jesse. Well, then why do I own a gun? If not for self-defense, is it so I can plink? Is it so I can duck hunt? No, our founders understood that we had to be able to defend ourselves. And they understood, of course, this right predated them. They didn't create the right. The Second Amendment doesn't create a right. It, pro- it protects and preserves a right that was already there. And it is part of being human that I can defend my most valuable property, which is my life. Now, explain this to me. Where have our wins been for the Second Amendment in the last 10 years? I don't want to be, you know, cynical. I don't want to be defeatist. Do we have any on a national level? I realize the states probably have some, but I I don't see anything heading our way, or am I wrong? Well, I want to mention what I just mentioned, which is one year outside of what you said. I'll start there. Three years. Uh, 208, we had Heller. Of course, we won that. DCV Heller. And then we had in 2010 at the Supreme Court level, McDonald v. Chicago. We won that. Uh, and in both of these, uh, handgun bans were struck down. Now, our victories have been a lot at the state level since then, Jesse. Most recently, We had Utah last week become the 17th state in the union to abolish any requirement that citizens get a concealed carry permit before they carry a gun for self-defense. That has been happening 
quietly and slowly in a number of states over the last three or four years, uh, North Dakota, New Hampshire, West Virginia, it's been slowly rolling and it's been underreported. We've covered it at Breitbart, but a lot of outlets haven't covered it but it's building to critical mass. Now we have 17 states that way, Tennessee, Montana, uh, Georgia, I can't think of another state are all looking to go that way as well. And so we could get to 20 states in a, num in a matter of months here. We've also seen an expansion of campus carry. Uh, Georgia is one of the most recent states for that. And that's a huge win because campus carry Allow, I always look at campus carry right or wrong as more of a benefit to women than to men because it allows that 21, 22-year-old daughter who's away from the protection of the father or her brothers, she's on that campus by herself. She can handle business if she happens to be a small, petite person, got a guy who thinks he's going to have his way with her. Well, maybe Smith & Wesson says that won't happen tonight, and that is the beauty of campus carry. And so we've had many, many things like that happen uh, that I could keep listing. So our victories, Jesse, have been at the state level. Uh, but what we need to secure, what we need to secure more of what we saw in Utah, we need more campus carry and we need permits where they remain to be cheaper and to last longer. Because anytime you can put some kind of fee on things, you make self-defense cost prohibitive for the poor. And the, and the life of the poor is important as the life of anyone else. And we have to think of them when these fees are put in place. AWR Hawkins, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Hey, thank you, Jesse. Great to be with you. We're not done yet. Hang on. As you may have noticed, I wasn't here yesterday and the day before. And why wasn't I here? Well, it's because I reside in Antarctica, formerly known as Houston. Covered in ice, the entire place is shot is, is shut down. And in case you'd like to know how Texans handle weather like this, well, this is a pretty good example. Hey, team! Hey, Come on! Come on! Let's go! That's a good way to die. Don't do that. All right. Stay warm out there. Stay safe. See you tomorrow. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint and your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE 
That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.